Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. What's up, y'all? This is Zach with Living Corporate. Now, look, uh, every episode is someone's first episode. So for those who don't know, Living Corporate is a digital media network. and We create digital media that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. The content you're listening to today is part of our flagship show, and we uh, air these every single Tuesday. Right. And we typically bring uh, some type of guest. Right. So it's like an elected official, an influencer, a creative, an author. Um, some type of maybe professor, celebrity, right? Some, you know, maybe somebody in VC, but a wide array of people, right? Like we've had Goddess Rivera. We've had uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, right? I'm, I'm not going to rattle through. This is like what, episode 301? Shout out to us, over 300 episodes. Uh, but, um, you know, we do this. We do this on a weekly basis. We have Living Corporate, the flagship show on Tuesdays. And then we also have uh, Living Corporate, See It to Be It. So it's the same podcast, but it's a different series. And that airs every Saturday. And then we also have another podcast that we just started last week called The Leadership Range. And so if you're listening to this on Tuesday, The Leadership Range airs on Mondays, right? So make sure you just check us out. And like, let's just say you're like, man, that just sounds like a lot of content, right? And I'm not even going to get into all the web shows we have and the blogs. I'm going to just tell you to go to living corporate. Com. Now, look, as I said, every single week we have an incredible guest, right? Genuinely friends of the show. And um, before we get into that and before we progress with the, the program, as it were, I want to address uh, the elephant and the donkey in the room. Now, look, that was a bar, but just, let's just keep up. Today is Election Day. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, today is election day and i need you to understand that if you're listening to this and you are uh, you, you count yourself as an ally or as an aspirational accomplice whatever word you want to use to say that you care about black and brown people or that you see black and brown people as humans then please recognize that for many of us this is a very 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 anxiety filled day and you know even if we weren't in a pandemic and we were all going to work, this would be anxiety filled. But the reality is, is that so many people today are going to be hiding behind their computer screens on their Zoom calls, on their Google Meets, on their Microsoft Teams, whatever other things, Slack, right? 
and they're going to be talking to you um, as if everything, you know, it's a regular day, but behind the chit chat and the banter, there's going to be anxiety. I can speak for myself and say that I am anxious. I am scared and I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what this election means. I've been looking at the news. I'm looking at social media. I see people being intimidated and attacked by police and white supremacists for simply seeking to vote. And it's important to recognize that these fears are real and that the stakes are high. And so my hope is that if you count yourselves among the majority and you also count yourselves among a position of leadership in your workplace or not, it doesn't actually matter that you would be sensitive to and aware of the very real fears and anxieties that your black and brown coworkers are holding today. Now, with that being said, um, today's episode is pretty cool. We actually have Rod from the Black Gaku Tips. Rod was actually one of the first guests that we had on for Living Corporate two years ago. So I'm going to go back and look. But I mean, it was under episode 20. Like we, we did not have that many episodes under our belt. And he gave us a chance. Um, so I want to shout out Rod. I want to shout out Karen. I want to shout out the Black Guy Who Tips, just the platform. Inspirational, quite frankly, and blazing the way as it pertains to black creatives and independent black owned media. They really built something incredible and their platform and their journey is a testament to consistency and quality and intention. And so I'm just honored to have him on. You know, we talk about a, a few things. We talk about you know, his journey with the black guy who tips. We talk about how he's built it over time um, and some of the challenges that come with being a black creative and the, the disrespect that you get and you receive um, from folks who just don't take you serious. They don't they don't respect your craft or your time enough. And I can I can empathize with that. Um, you know, y'all see the glory, but y'all don't know the story behind the scenes of uh, folks that we've wanted to have on and we couldn't or the things that people say about us or say to me about living corporate. And the, the challenges that come with creating a space so explicitly focused on centering and amplifying black and brown people in the workplace. I mean, it isn't all roses. And I'm really thankful that I was able to have such an authentic, unstripped discussion with someone who really gets it. And frankly, whose advice helped to build living corporate into what it is today and what we hope to continue to become. But look, before we get into the conversation with Rod, we're going to make sure that we tap in with Tristan for his latest career tip. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. This week, let's discuss two major roadblocks that can hinder your career. When I talk to clients about their job search strategy or advancing in their careers, two of the major roadblocks we encounter are the fear of putting yourself out there and the fear of rejection. These are two hurdles that can slow down your career if you don't work to get over them. Now, I know many of us have been conditioned not to talk about ourselves and our accomplishments because it may come off as boastful or bragging. This mentality shows itself time and time again. But tell me, who do you know that has advanced in their career by being meek and never speaking on their accomplishments? That answer is probably no one. And if it wasn't, please send that person my way because I'd love to know the secret. 
In a world that covets meritocracy and competition, the only person you're doing a disservice with that mentality is yourself. When people find it difficult to speak about themselves, they have trouble writing their resumes, optimizing their LinkedIn's, and strategically networking, which means they often have trouble landing the roles they want. If they do, it's even harder to advance. No one is going to be a better advocate for you than yourself. It's no one's responsibility but yours to keep track of your accomplishments, the results you drive, or the value you bring and highlighting them at the appropriate time. Similarly, many of the clients I work with have a fear of rejection that often stops them from putting their full effort into something, whether that be their job search, strategically building their network, or even sharing their thoughts on projects at work. While I understand this fear because most of us don't like to be rejected, this fear causes you to fade into the background and is the exact reason you aren't landing that interview or why you haven't gotten that promotion. To be seen, we have to put ourselves out there. We have to be willing to share our opposing thoughts or put maximum effort into each position we apply to, knowing that rejection is part of the process. Our job is not to get everyone to like us. Our job is to make ourselves seen and unforgettable so we can align with the right people and organizations. Remember, failure and rejection are part of the process, and the fear of them will only hold you back. We have to get out of our comfort zones because the consequences for us holding on to these fears are far too great. Thank you for tapping in with me this week. I look forward to talking to you next week. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. What's up, Rod? Hey, what's going on, man? Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for being on, man. Listen, you know, first of all, let me just talk to you, man. You know, a lot of people on your Twitter, they kind of are not on your Twitter, but on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. They project a lot about blue check black folks, you know, and they'll, you know, they kind of they try to put you in this little box. I'll tell you something, you got to be one of the most humble dudes that I've met, man. Like, like you, you really make the time for the people and it's really appreciated. I mean, I, I appreciate that, man. You know, like I was looking at the time this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. 9 a.m. I forgot that I said that, but uh, <laughs> I, I got up. I got my coffee. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm here. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I always I'm just trying to be uh, thankful, man. Be honest. Like when I was working a dead end corporate America job, you know, I was definitely uh, not happy. And now. I get to wake up every day and go try to make my happiness. So, um, you know, definitely appreciative. And, you know, the blue check thing is just weird to me because I I don't even I legit don't understand what there is to even be upset about. So, man, I'm right there with you. It's interesting. Like you made a tweet a little while ago. This was a couple months ago, but it was interesting because when you said it, it was like very just the timing was so eerie because something similar happened to me. You basically said something like, look, I... I realized that I got to get used to the fact that some folks are just going to blow us off or not want to be on the show or whatever the case is, because like we're like we're independent black creatives, but I'm just going to keep on pushing. Do you remember that? Yeah, man. Look, what people see and what goes on behind the scenes is totally different. And honestly, if it wasn't for my corporate America background and training and coming up that way i think i probably would have i mean we see it all the time creatives like have a kind of meltdown on social media and yes spray spray up everybody's business and now you got to (laughs) recover from that like i've never had one of those but i mean it doesn't mean i I haven't had those situations where you just like you know 
a guest blows you off or someone uh says they're gonna be there and they, they're not or they just stop responding to emails and stuff yeah so you know and and then it's just weird because when you're affiliated or backed by some like major brand a lot of times people will will then be like oh no 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 i want to be on that show when it's like well the show no. is the same. you know the show it's is the same, same. No, so 100%. And we're going to get about we're going to get to that in a second cuz going back to the first thing you said is I definitely can relate to the quote-unquote professional corporate background has definitely kicked in in terms of me not spraying stuff up, right? Like just kind of like calling folks out and naming names and stuff like that cuz you're right. There is a perception. I'll say for me like I definitely project that y'all can kind of get whoever y'all want, right? Because in the black creative space, particularly in podcasting, I mean, anyone who's in this space knows about the black guy who tips. And I would imagine I'm not the only person who probably projects a certain level of, man, y'all can get whoever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if not, y'all can't get whoever, you can figure out a way to eventually get who it is y'all are trying to get to. But right. you're right. Like, there's a bunch of folks, and same for me, brands and individuals that have, you know, kind of hold me or whatever that people in the public, quote unquote, will never know about because. They just not gonna know about it, you know. Yeah, me like the only person that knows is Karen, really. And we'll sometimes we'll go through memory lane and be like, "Yo, remember when this person big time does?" Or remember when this person wouldn't show up, even though they promised to be on the show like three or four times? Or you know, the, the people that don't really respect what you do, so they kind of just show up whenever they feel like it, you know. Which, which no. something I try to never do, you know. What I mean, like the. Uh, like I, I, you know what? I can be thirty minutes late. You need to figure it. Like I'm, I just never try to do that stuff. But yeah, bro. Yeah, that's such a terrible feeling for you know a black creative already. Like you're already dealing with imposter syndrome and stuff, and then you got right. this on top of it, which is people being like, "Yeah, you really aren't a big deal." And if this was uh you know NPR, I would have showed up on time. If this was uh you know uh, this American Life, I would have been here on time. You would have been early. You would have been early. Yes. Right. <laughs> you would have been early. I think it's interesting because, and you know, also like, look, this is going to be a conversation about black creatives and like me just kicking it with Rod. Okay. So I'm not about to have some super whatever conversation. Like I said, we have different conversations every single week. We're talking about centering and amplifying black and brown voices at work. This is about black creativity. This is just like a quick, like ad hoc disclaimer. So it's interesting. The other way, Rod, I think it shows up is how folks, now I know that the black guy who tips like y'all's content for how I how I engage it is y'all leverage the crowdcast and then you know the content is live you have the premium content and so you know when stuff is gonna gonna air we'll live in corporate we're a little bit more traditional in certain ways and then we'll record it and then we'll drop it when we drop it right what's interesting is I think it shows up for us is folks kind of get entitled or like get nasty if you don't immediately publish their episode and it's like look man like it's a media company like you know when you record content folks sit on content all the time like you look at like these samaro these samaro they have content that they record on their show and that stuff will come up and that'll be like whatever day like when they were on vice they record the content they publish that content same thing with showtime but on top of that they have other content that they record and they sit on and that's not like a wild concept and yet we'll communicate to people and be like hey look we have a whole schedule we have all these different types of folks that come on our thing we got this we got that we have we're not like a current event show but like we want to make sure that we're being reflective of the world like the space that we're in and blah 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 and i don't think those same guests if ted was like hey look we recorded this thing 
I don't think that they're over here emailing Ted like cussing at them, <laughs> demanding to release the episode like on this date. Like I just don't think that's the case. In fact, I know it's not because when you record with these other platforms, they'll tell you, "Hey, we're gonna release this when we release it, and we will let you know." And like to be clear, I try not to sit on anything too long, but it's just like like I just I bring that up just to say like there's something about how folks the things that people don't know about how they engage and treat black creatives, irrespective of what they may see on the outside and things are looking like they're going great. Um, and they are right. But it doesn't change the fact that there are some pain points, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, having done what we do for so long and doing so many, uh, guest appearances and, uh, interviews and stuff, you really don't know. And I know we did a piece for vice once that, never aired like they were in our house they filmed us we you know we talked to everybody like and um you know the thing we've always been is uh polite and gracious and so when it didn't air you know we uh because you know you have to consider it's a moving part with probably dozens of people working on stuff every day and some pieces are more urgent than others. Some things you put a lot of work into. And I, and, they, and it's not like Karen and I put more work into it than the people who work for Vice. So right. you know, clearly they were bummed that they did all this and their piece didn't get aired, you know. Um, and who knows, maybe one day a long time from now it does get aired. Who You never know. But I remember that didn't go up. And, you know, I just wrote them an email, thanked them. You know, they, they were kind of like bummed that it didn't go up and whatnot. They were like fans of the show and stuff. And I was like, man, it's no problem. You ever think of anything else? We're always around. And we just appreciate y'all even thinking of us and taking the time. And literally maybe a few months later they were like yo we want to do something on game of thrones can we come back to your house and we were like sure you know let's do it again once again we're in the house like maybe this airs maybe this doesn't air you know yeah 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 yeah. but we we go through the whole thing we do the interviews again they film us doing the podcast we do all this stuff and um that was the thing that that really helped us we got a lot of listeners because it did air a lot of people were celebrating for the show celebrating for black people and and so behind the scenes you know this is our second time really doing anything with them and the first one didn't go down so you could never tell that from anything we ever said you could never tell that from the show that ended up airing so I, i think you need that part too is is what i'm saying like there's some benefits to kind of handling things more professionally and and whatnot than just you know if i would have been on twitter melting down like they didn't even air my piece or if i would have been emailing them like when y'all gonna show it like i could see them being like well we're not coming back out there and then right the other part that i would add to that you brought up is yeah there's a specific element of people do that when they really don't respect what you do as opposed like so they might not do that to vice right they'd understand but they might do that to the black guy with tips if i did an interview with you and said okay I, i'm gonna air this soon but i need to do some things if they hit me back like where's my episode like clearly that's like oh you wouldn't have done this if this was cnn but you don't think of us that way 100 percent, and you're right there's something also to be said about this like keeping things in context like you just brought up something that's really like it's like like I'm pretty sure they were bummed that it wasn't able to get aired too. Like they came out to do this work. Like mm-hmm. it's not like they just volunteer. Like that costs money. It costs money for them to travel. They had to probably eat for the day and then spend time with y'all. Record, set, get everything set up. Record. They had to edit the content. They had to like 
probably have some type of meeting where they reviewed it. They probably emailed back and like there's a bunch of stuff that has to happen. I think folks like really underestimate just the the work again with the folks that they don't respect because the folks that they do respect the platforms they do respect is oh well it's CNN well you know they got plenty of stuff going on it's like okay right but and I get the living corporate is not TED Talk and the black guy who tips is not CBS Viacom but it's an enterprise nonetheless and there's they, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes to get things going so like perspectives everything speaking of which the black guy who tips has had a huge announcement very recently about the spotify exclusive deal like is it what what is it that you can kind of share about that um basically we'll be on spotify exclusively starting october 26th it's a deal where they're investing in us where you know they like what we do they're trying to bring us to a bigger audience bigger platform push us and give us some tools that we haven't had before you know um and i think by that same token bring our listeners to the spotify experience as well so you know we're definitely looking forward to working with them and uh seeing where it goes yeah man that's really cool i was talking to you off mic off live about growth you know and something that you really impressed upon me uh, when we first met and we were talking about just like creating podcasts, creating media is about being consistent. And like one thing that I've just really taken to heart, like I've been so just inspired by is, you know, the black guy who tips puts out so much content. Like when I talk to people about living corporate, be like, yeah, we drop like, you know, three episodes a week. People are like three episodes a week. <laughs> like, like, crazy. <laughs> like it's just nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, man, that's not because, you know, I follow y'all on Crowdcast. Man. I feel like I'm getting notifications all the time. I'm so excited. Now, the thing about it is I got this baby, so I, I can't like I can't engage like I need to. Every time I join, I feel like it's a family reunion. Like I was like, man, I just really miss I miss this space. <laughs> but I love the content. Like I'm trying to figure out, man, like what does it look like to get up and create that much mm-hmm. content? Like, it's, it's just incredible to me to just, as a consumer, I'm inspired by it. You know what's interesting, right, is uh, when I was uh, working for someone else, I woke up every day at 7 or uh, 6, and I worked 8, 9 hours a day, and I came home at 5 or or whatever, and, and then I would go play basketball, and then I would do all this other stuff, and Never once did I feel like, man, what's it like to work five days a week and go put in eight, nine hours for somebody else, right? But mm. but this is a lane where we get to make our own thing. We get to put as much time into it as we want to, If especially if you want it to be your job. Unfortunately, there's no way to do this that isn't going to be like treated like a job. You know what I mean? And so right. it was like, what would happen if we invested essentially two hours a day, not, not even 10 or so, you know, two hours a day, five days a week, at least into ourselves. And I think having that background makes it not feel as much work, uh, as I think other people would think. And then essentially the other thing I always say, when people talk about, you know, advice for podcasts and I always say, make sure you're still having fun. Well, we're still having fun 11 years in. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like, talking to my wife and, and our friends a couple hours and just talking about what happened during the day and making jokes and stuff like that. So as long as yeah. it still has that vibe, I feel like for me, it'll never feel like we're doing a lot, you know, but I totally understand from the consumer standpoint in a world where um, most of them think of podcasting as a thing you tune into once a week for about 30 minutes. I would say we just don't accept 
that I, I've always looked at it as everything that people listen to or watch or consume is essentially your competition. So mm-hmm. uh, instead of me looking at it like we need to make a podcast like someone else's podcast that already exists, I was like, what if we make a podcast and base it like um, our competition is the Steve Harvey Morning Show? Or what if our competition in our head is a Howard Stern? Like people tune into that three, four hours a day and with a bunch of commercials and pay right. for it and pay literally will pay for it some places. Yes. Yes. No one ever goes, wow, I can't believe they do five days a week. Like we they go, no, I'm glad they do five days a week. Cause guess who else does five days a week? Most people who listen to podcasts do five days a week to with something <laughs> that they wish people would take their mind away. And yeah, 30 minutes ain't going to get it for everybody. <laughs> no, that's facts to your point. Like, man, again, context, man. And like reflection, and I'm not calling you old. Right? I think some of that also does come from like maturity, though. Right. And lived experience. Like you thinking through your own time and what you used to do for other people. Why can't you do it for yourself? I think there's something also to be said about these rules. Right. Like as seasoned or established as podcasting is and people say everybody's doing podcasts. Yo, podcasting is still very, very new. You know what I mean? Like there aren't really a bunch of like rules and lanes Like you see these brands trying to come on and create their own spaces and build networks and things of that nature. And that'll continue. But like when you think about like, you know, oh, well, you know, you, I see it because I follow podcasts in color. I follow other spaces. Of course, you know, you and I follow each other. So like I try to stay in tune with like just this ecosystem and there's a vocal group out there who will say, oh, well, no, you know, podcast should only be this long. You should only air, you know, this many times a week. Or, you know, if it's this kind of content, it should look like this or it should be framed like that. And it's like, ah. Yeah. I always say, like, nobody knows what they're talking about. You know? <laughs> like, it's just truth. Like, yeah. even if you had every statistic and every number, you still don't know because there's always somebody proving that they can do it even when you're saying you can't. So, you know, I, I never understood why people want to get into this game, which is essentially a blank slate, and then immediately try to follow a bunch of rules. Like, then go do radio. Go try to do TV. Go do something where there's already established rules and mediums and, and all these litmus tests you have to pass. This is a thing where essentially anyone's vision can be their own and what they do with it is totally up to them and nobody knows what will find an audience i guarantee you if you talk to every podcaster there's some podcast that they like see as being popular and they're like i don't even understand that you know right Um, and and especially as black people i really hate when we do that because i remember specifically we went to this podcast conference in seattle and Mm -hmm. there were so many different types of podcasts and there were people, welcome to Night Vale. They had people dressing up in cosplay coming to listen to them do a podcast. Um, wow. There was a guy who makes a podcast. I think it's called Sleep With Me. Very cool dude, you know, kind of weird. His fans showed up in pajamas, like onesies and stuff. And they, they, <laughs> listened, to, they listened to his podcast to fall asleep to it. So if you would have told me 10 years ago, yeah, so there's going to be a podcast that gets super famous because people want to fall asleep to it. I would think that's the opposite of why I do a podcast. Like, I hope nobody's falling asleep to my show. I hope everyone's staying wide awake and they love it. <laughs> you don't know, you know? And then also, right. as a creator, you don't know what people will do with your product because there are people who say, Rod and Karen, I listen to y'all to fall asleep. You know, like y'all are comforting and, 
you know, it makes me feel not alone. And right. I wake up in the morning, I, I pick up where I left off, you know? So there's so much to podcasting to enter it with rigid rules and whatnot is weird to me. And then also there's this element of it's because people are looking to commodify what they do from, from day one and kind of turn it into a yeah. product that they're going to like sell to like whiteness or sell to, yes. you know, like this is what white people do. Let's do that. Yo, Maybe yes. white, white people will give us some money. It's like, I mean, I would say don't start like that if you can help it because rules and things are going to apply to you. You're going to figure out best practices, but stepping in the room like that a lot of times limits your creativity and what you can do with it. Well, it also goes right back to what you said. The top of it is like, you know, have fun. Now, I don't think for me anyway, look, this is my life. I'm not going to speak for you, Rod. Mm -hmm. Catering to whiteness is not fun to me. Okay. So I'm not trying to create content or use my, you know, use the time, use this. You know, we all have limited time. Right. And but especially if, you know, this is not your full time job using my the time I have away from my friends and family and other things to create something to be commodified for whiteness. And I also think to work from a position of commodification, like for that to be your premise is in itself limiting to your point. And on top of that, like I question how long you're going to be able to go at it because, you know, unless you're like a big name, like unless you're like, you know, look, you got me, you got Michelle Obama. She just kicked off the podcast on Spotify and the thing blew up. Right. Of course, you know, unless you have like some huge following, your podcast is likely not going to just blow up in a day. Right. It's going to take time. I mean, one thing you told me, like looking, but listening back to the initial conversation was like, look, like it's going to take time. You're going to build like the, the initial numbers and downloads will not be what you think it should be. It's going to you don't have to kind of collaborate and, and really be creative and think about like a lot of different angles for it to grow. And so if that's just building anything, certainly podcasting. And if the underlying pressure is I got to sell this, then it's easy to get burnt out because folks start start and stop podcasts all the time already. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like if you're putting the additional pressure of you're trying to commodify something to sell, you're trying to, you're trying to get merch out there, you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that. It's like, ah. And, and a lot of times just people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like, I yeah, think you it's just, you know, that was the thing I had to realize because I, my friends and some of our fans used to feel a certain way about people that were like, I don't like this in the podcast. I don't want that in the podcast. And I can't stand when, the, and it's like, you know what, man, that's their opinion. Maybe they, they have a different life than other people. I think it's kind of silly to put it out there as a blanket statement as if no one can be into that. Like you're talking for yourself, you know, but yeah. if I'm a person with a two hour commute every day, back and forth to work, I might wow. feel differently about uh right. podcasting. You do, you know what I mean? And that's, Fact. that's the thing that, that everyone's always kind of making this idea of trying to catch every consumer. And the thing is you can't, and you won't. The only people that really have that type of ability are people that have, huge backings you know um honestly the victor gets to make the rules kind of like they get to say what works like and no one ever says it's about like say um one of these podcasts is like super famous and they have three four hour episodes every week or whatever no no one ever goes well, you can't make it like that because they already made it you know what i mean correct no 100 well so joe button so people were trying to use like Joe Budden as the blueprint of how to, or how to not do something. It's like, dog, first of all, like dog, Joe Budden at one point had, he said he had half a billion 
downloads in a year, right? Mm-hmm. Half a billion. So like, so look again, you cannot use him <laughs> as, as like a platform for what you want to do with your like, what, maybe six or 700 downloads a day. Yeah. Like it's just totally, people are playing with totally different numbers and games than other folks, man. It's just, you know, and, and also you're not famous, you know, like a lot of comedians have podcasts and they start off, you know, I want to be like Mark Maron. I'm going to do this. It's like, you know, that takes time. You know, even right. even Mark Maron wasn't Mark Maron, the greatest, you know, one of the greatest podcasters in the game when right. he started. So, you know, it's going to take time. You got to, you know, you don't necessarily hit the ground running. And also, you have to remember, everything that's successful has filled a lane to a certain extent. So, right. coming behind them trying to imitate what they do isn't necessarily going to garner you uh, the same fan base because a lot of times those people are already going i'm getting fed with this type of meal here so show me something different you know there's something to be said also about like being famous and like you know trying to figure out you also tweeted about like the social dilemma so i think i got like maybe 20 minutes and i was like bro this i can't like i think it was like eight o'clock at night too mm-hmm. i have not been a night out lately so i'm like not gonna get some sleep i'm, I'm gonna try some crazy dream but there's something to be said about like just like the the idea of celebrity and how it's like influencing uh, reactions and and things on social media and like the types of attention it gets. I saw that you tweeted. Uh, you've been talking lately about you know just the election, mm-hmm. various folks' position. Um, and I'd love just to kind of hear more of your perspective on like just like backlash that you've seen celebrities get or just like opinions that seem to kind of catch on like wildfire that are counterproductive for lack of a better word i i I just feel like everyone feels like afraid not right now you know a lot of people are very uh you know they're struggling right now you know with social media we're on it way more than we're used to being and then we can't go outside uh, we can't do a lot of stuff um that we used to do and i think familiarity starts breeding contempt right you start looking at those twitter accounts they start looking at people who has a check mark and who doesn't and stuff like weird stuff like that and kind of you know waiting for the day they can kind of like turn on them or call them out um and i think that's a real impulse a lot of people have and so you know for example ava duvernay uh was tweeting some stuff uh, about like look I, I, we need to vote if you're a non-white person and you're choosing to sit this election out like we may end up deserving the fascism that we're going to get for ignoring that this call to vote and people you know took issue with her saying that you know because twitter is the home of no one ever deserves anything bad to happen to them no matter what (laughs) (laughs) so um even though to me that's never been an offensive thing because i think i just growing up in the south Black people talk like that, especially older black people. And it's not right. in any way offensive because they're right. Like down here, we literally have had people killed trying to vote. And uh, and our ancestors that are still alive to this day will tell you about the battles they had to vote. And it's a constant fight. I, I, you normally see a lot of the, the, the backlash to these comments coming from outside the South or from people that are transplants who haven't had that experience, you know? Um, so, you know, and then, so then later, you know, Donald Trump gets sick with coronavirus and she wishes him well by saying uh, she would like him to get better, but still we're going to vote you out and you're corrupt and you're criminal, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, man, the backlash on her was essentially as if she had never 
done anything. She hates black people and loves uh, white supremacy and stuff. And, you know, when I see moments like that, I just think, oh, we're kind of in a like a moment of just panic and anger and emotions that overtake things. Because I don't necessarily think that there would be no people that would object to that i just thought it was so over the top some of the objections were turning into like you know just just very messed up stuff they were you know like techniques that you typically see from alt-right trolls you would see people that yeah from us yeah and i and i'm like that's never good so i just think that that type of uh environment is what we're in right now and you know there's a lot of stress on people right now you know to constantly either say the right thing or not say anything or you know even though silence is complicitness you know according to people like like there's always just this like hoop to jump through every day and if you choose not to jump through it or you trip over that hurdle or, or that hoop people end up like coming for you and I, I just think that that's not productive but you know if, if at the same time if you tell people that on social media they turn on you because you know it's like you're the crazy person for going hey man this doesn't really seem productive or this seems kind of short-sighted and it's like no now you're the enemy it's like what <laughs> Wait a second. yeah what, what is happening right now all i'm saying is everybody can chill I think the other piece is like there's also a way to like disagree agreeably. Like everything doesn't have to be like this. So look, you and Karen do this well, right? Like like you know, there's this presumption because you had an interview. This was some this was some time ago, but I'm a reference it anyway. You had an interview years ago. People talking to you about like, oh y'all must agree about everything. You're talking about with the blackout tips, and you're like, actually we disagree. Like, and we disagree. Sometimes we disagree like on air, and like that's okay. And like again, I, I yes, there's an added dynamic of y'all being married, but like. There is a practice of understanding how to look. You can say something. I may not agree. I can ask a follow up question and we can just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be like this, like harsh, like binary of either you agree with me in the way that I'm saying this, that you're having to interpret through text because we're not talking and we're not talking face to face or we are enemies. Right. And it's like, I just don't I don't think those things are the case. So here's a, as an example. Um, so like I come from the South as well and I agree Black folks do talk like that. There's a generational context there, too. Mm -hmm. I understand what Ava was saying. I didn't really feel the way she was saying it. Mm -hmm. But I also don't believe she was saying, yes, uh, oppressed people deserve to be oppressed. Right. I don't believe that's what the intention was. Now, at some, a couple people in the comments, again, out of like the hundreds, there's always a couple people who have like a measure like, hey, yeah, I kind of feel like. Yeah, the you kind of framed this was problematic, and this is why. Mm -hmm. Look, that's great, but those things need like that needs to happen because that's part of life. Like you should have those dialogues. That's cool, but then like when you, like to your point, when you say things like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, we were saying something. I'm not gonna. People we saying some crap. I'm not laughing. I'm not. I'm not laughing at it. It's just. It was just bananas. Like the, some of the stuff they were saying. Like I mean, it was funny though, because because it was so <laughs> over the top. It, like it was like imagine this. She says the same thing, but on a podcast with a person who disagrees. Right, they're not yes. gonna just be like you, you know, corporatist uh, classes that and start yelling at her. They're gonna be like Ava. So, are you saying this? And she will probably go, "No, I'm not saying that." This, you know, and then the other yeah. people never consider she's on the same internet machine you are. So, guess what? She's probably seeing. She's seeing the extremists who are saying stuff like, "I don't care if he gets four more years." 
I ain't voting because I'm too woke for y'all and y'all, y'all. Right. And so right. her reply is to that extreme side, and then it becomes an extreme reply, and then everyone because we know her and and stuff like people jump on her, and of course Twitter's kind of opposite world where you know a person can go on there and say how even in the face of this they're not gonna vote and they'll catch some flack but there's also a, a, a lot of support for that where in real life right in regular offline life there in the black community there's not a lot of support there's not a lot of support yeah, for that. And like, and that's, that's the thing that's the thing too it's like yo twitter like social media is great in that it does capture a lot of like real opinions Social media is also like problematic in that like it can amplify positions that are not real. Like you're not going to do that. And if we're in a crowded room of a thousand people and you said that, there would not be 500 of us who would agree with you. Like that's just not true, right? right. Now then the second thing in this, like this crowded space of like, cause we're all together, you know, we haven't been able to go outside, all the different, like the confluence of events you, you described earlier is that, <laughs> so there was a point, we're not picking on Ava, this is just a, it's top of mind because it's recent. So Ava is like, she makes the statement and she gets a bunch of crazy responses and she responds a little spicy to a few of them. And then it's, oh, <laughs> look at Ava. Yeah. What's wrong with her? It's so weird, man. It's like people. And so if you step out of the matrix and look at the thing and go, this isn't even that important. And the castigating of her is very one-sided then I can say that on this podcast, I won't catch any flack. I can say this in my life, I won't catch any flack. I can, you know, go to another social media site and say it, and I won't catch as much flack. But if you say that on Twitter right now, you're gonna catch you're gonna catch a lot of flack. So, uh, yeah. So you get to be canceled though. So you let, let me ask you, right? How old are you, man? Forty two. Okay. By the time you're fifty, right? Get some tweets off, man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just don't care that much. I feel you. you know what i mean like we what we yeah. we have this podcast that is a perfect outlet that makes us money that people want to listen to and we get paid for these opinions and we say it to an audience of people that for the most part have a level of buy-in where they go oh yeah yeah i want you guys to do well and i trust that you're coming from a good place twitter's not like that it's it's a lot of headache for free and you know, when you watch the social dilemma, you realize how much of uh, stuff is dominated by algorithms and controversy and stuff like that. You realize what a waste of time it is to try to communicate very complex ideas to a room full of people that may or may not feel like listening to your ideas. So, I, you know, I just don't worry about it that much to try to get every point in there. And, I, and it honestly saved me a lot of headache because I think before that, I would feel that need often and I didn't realize it, but I was having like major anxiety based off of that. And once I kind of cut that back, I stopped having so much anxiety and, and, and it's, you know, it's because we're still figuring out what, what that stuff does to our brain being on social media all the time. So for me personally, it's just not, it's never really worth it. Like whenever I was like, man, it's kind of weird to turn on Ava uh, so harshly. And so, you know, like so permanently and people were coming at i was like oh you know what i can mute this conversation i can log <laughs> off i'm gonna go do some right. stuff like it's, it's just not worth the uh headache of what it can become to me no i'm right there with you it, I, and i did see your mentions i was like gosh I don't, this, he didn't say anything crazy like he just said <laughs> he really the funniest thing about your twitter account to me you're in your social media is like 
you'll come out with like a very mild statement like hey i don't feel like you it's, it's like it's like it's like you're walking by and you go that seems kind of <laughs> kind of over the top and then someone goes huh you rock right? right. i know you're not talking oh blue check you know what f this and they just start going crazy oh you uppity negroes here and i'm like wait i said when did ride become well what's funny is uh one i have so many filters on twitter i rarely see that like very often on my side there's a lot of times I feel like, oh, I'm probably not getting any engagement on this tweet, and I just move on. And then um, <laughs> what happens is, like, I'll look at the tweet later because, um, you know, it'll come up eventually. Maybe if somebody I follow speaks on or something, and I'll click on and look at the original tweet. And I'm like, oh, man, hundreds of people had something to say. Okay, well, you know, because... Like I said, for my mental health, I have to kind of stay away from it because I do find that there are some people that are really weird and obsessive and and I don't know. And then like the bigger you get as far as like having a platform, different people project things onto you, you know, like you should have yeah. this opinion. You should do this thing. You should you should speak on this. You should not speak on that. And I don't know, that's not healthy for anybody. So, you know, and, and keep in mind, it's someone who's not invested in you at all. So <laughs> like you're, you're driving yourself crazy for somebody that literally would throw you in the trash can and never look back. And they don't care about you. Not at all, man. And I think that's a big factor in um, at least for my mental health is, you know, I have that thing where I do want people to like me, but not everybody's going to like you. And it's something I had to accept. And a lot of times, not not because of anything you've done, not because of any significant reasons, just some people feel like they walk in and they need to dislike certain people. And it could be as simple as Twitter verified you because Bernie So Black went viral five, 10 years ago. And now somebody's <laughs> like, what you do to get a check? So you just never know why why people are coming at you. You know, I want to make sure before we get out of here, we got to talk about the fact that the sitting president has a deadly disease. Mm -hmm. And it seems like everybody around him is getting this Rona. I'm not trying to minimize it. Rod, is there any days that you wake up and be like, dog, is this real? Like, does this seem also real to you? Or have you like accepted this as reality? Or does are you still kind of in just like this season of just like, what is going on? Oh, no, I've been accepted. This is real. I, I don't. I mean, that's one of the things on our show that we've done from day one. I've always called that man President Trump because he is the president and yeah. not, not out of some respect for the title, but out of respect for reality. People think like one thing I, I've that has become so apparent to me is I was spending so much time on social media that I was starting to see this disconnect from reality. Right. This it's like social media is a place where Joe Biden is the least popular Democratic candidate among all of them. And real life is a place where he beat every other candidate. <laughs> so, like, that's a stark disconnection, you know. And so that woke me up in a lot of ways to be like, well, this is not truly real. And so calling him, you know, uh, snarky names and stuff isn't going to change the fact that this is a man who is making policy for our country. And the results and the consequences of the election are real. And uh, and it's a dire circumstance uh, from my side of the, of the table. And uh, so I've, I've never felt this need to be like, yeah, I, I'm not going to acknowledge this as reality. So it, it is very real to me. And there's no amount of sideshow that an absurdity that can that can take away from it because i understand at the end of the day what put us in this situation is that 
there's you know a lot of americans who support him and think that the things he's doing is okay and and want these things and when you accept that reality um it becomes a lot less absurd you know what i mean when you're like wait your next door neighbor they might think this is okay and if not your right. neighbor the person across the street and if not them the right up the block so when you look at it that way it's a lot less uh of a sideshow in a circus is a lot more like wait a minute this is a this is a real existential threat yeah and you know it's interesting i would say i'm like in the middle of the middle class right i'm not i'm certainly not upper middle class I'm like probably right above lower middle class right mm-hmm. and it's interesting because i work in corporate america and you know, you work around a lot of, you know, in majority white spaces, people do treat it like a sideshow. It's like, no, this actually impacts people. This actually like has impacted millions of people. This presidency, um, the fact that we have uh, a White House that is not releasing information, you know, Trump out here walking around with no mask on, lying. And so I hear your point about respecting reality. I think I think for me, it's like my perspective, Rod, has just been like, it just all seems so absurd, mm-hmm. right? Like everything that's happening is just like, God, God, this is crazy. Which is another thing is I know folks, you know, there, there a lot of, yes, there is a lot of folks who I think are woke to a point where they like, quote unquote, woke. It's like hating on voting. And I'm like, bro, like, do you see, look outside? Like, yeah, you, I, 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 I reckon, and I recognize we're not going to vote ourselves. Right. We're not going to vote ourselves into like a new Wakanda. Like, right. That's, but right. That was never the argument. No one ever has been arguing that we're going to vote ourselves into everybody gets a billion dollars in reparations. Right. Ta-Nehisi Coates is secretary of state. Like no one's talking about that. Right. We're only talking about literally look outside, open the door and look around. First of all, there's you'll see nobody out there. And then if you go on the news, you will see the president of the United States coughing not wearing a mask it should scare you it should scare you not only that but you have over two hundred thousand people have died folks are trying to debate whether going back to work or catching a deadly disease and if they don't die then infecting their loved ones kids are getting it people are losing their jobs women some absurd percentage of, of women are the ones who are like are the or catching the brunt of this like come on like y'all telling me you still not gonna vote right i i think and, that, and see, so that's what happened with Ava DuVernay, right? She saw those people and then she reacted with that tweet. And then people jumped on her as if she just came out of nowhere, right? And so that's <laughs> what I say about this whole social media thing. I try to back away because I don't want to spend so much time reacting to those people that I end up becoming the, you know, the person that's like making it seem like we're not going to vote or black people deserve this or whatever, which I don't think she was saying, but you know, people are going to be very unkind in that space. But um, yeah, the main thing is I just don't want to be divorced from reality because I, I said this, I think last week on our show, which is this feels like a war on reality. Like, yeah, I'm going, scary. Yeah. I'm going to gaslight you with so many lies and so many untruths that you're going to, start doubting what is true you're gonna doubt facts you're gonna doubt the science uh when when scientists talk to you and tell you how to avoid a deadly pandemic a disease you're gonna go but is that true because i saw them saying blank you know and i think these are the moments where it's so important this is why the social dilemma is such an important documentary is so you can see like oh this is the path that you chart for yourself on here and you can end up in these circles where you know you're at some unite the right rally 
and you just started off going, you know, like I agree with uh, a couple conservative ideas and now you're, you know, now you're following the Hodge twins or whatever. So I, I, I just feel like that's where people need to like kind of concentrate their energy on like before you even spend that energy, start looking at where it's going to take you. And I think that'll help a lot. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from with it. And that's and like I said, I. I do find it to be absurd and silly, which is why we talk about it on the show, you know, and make jokes about some of the stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it ain't no joke. uh, Some of these things that they're doing to American people. Man, Rod, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, I appreciate you. Uh, I'm just really thankful, man. Like I want to, like I I told you this privately, I'm going to, I want to give you your flowers from everybody. You know, you took the time, you hopped on living corporate two years ago before, again, we had just gotten started. Westwood One um, was not in the picture. Um, some of the things that we're doing now were not even being thought of. But you gave me some very practical advice. And it was very simple. But, you know, you talked about being consistent, like being thoughtful, having fun. And I just hope that, you know, for those in the Black creative space heard this conversation, that they were encouraged by it. And, y'all, we do this every single week. We're having conversations with dope people. And uh, look, I make sure you check out the Black... Who am I to tell y'all to check out the Black Guys with Tips? But to... But, but I'm going to say it anyway. Make sure if for some reason you heard of Living Corporate, but you haven't heard of the Black Guy Who Tips, make sure you check out the Black Guy Who Tips. Everything's in the show notes. Become a premium listener. Check them out on Spotify where they're uh, streaming exclusively. Uh, what else? You know, Check out their website. Give, donate. I have a recurring donation on there. They actually shout you out and give you some love on there if you do it. And they play super dope music in the background. They play this Kirk Franklin song, Smile. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's very funny. Shout out to Karen. Karen is really the star of the Black Guy Who Tips, quite frankly. Rod has more time, which is why he gives. He's gracious. (laughs) I mean, look, if you invite her on, she will come. So, you know, don't be a stranger. Like Karen would always love to be a guest and just email me at the same place because I'm her secretary. So (laughs) I'll coordinate her busy schedule and figure it out. And, uh, yo, thank you for having me on as well. And congratulations on your deal with Westwood One, man. That's uh, that's dope. And, uh, it's always cool to see because the thing is, man, people ask for podcasting advice a lot and I'm, I never try to be stingy with it or whatever. I don't feel like there's a, um, scarcity of resources. I hope everyone gets into it. Right. But there's so many people you give them this advice and it's just in one ear out the other, or, you know, their eyes glaze over and you're just like, Oh, this person is, they don't care. <laughs> like, like, like th- two weeks right. now they're going to quit this show. So, so uh, <laughs> you consistently put out work and put out episodes over the years. That's, that's been the thing of beauty, man. And, and I'm glad that it's uh, paying off for you. <sighs> this has been the warmest outro that we've ever had. Till <laughs> uh, <laughs> so next time, y'all, this has been Zach. You've been listening to Rod half of the illustrious powerful well-known and soon to be ever expanding not soon to be ever expanding it's ever expanding podcast platform network the black guy who tips yeah check us out on spotify okay if you're listening to this <laughs> spotify is where you're gonna find us spotify 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 yeah, spotify spotify spotify, spotify. <laughs> peace Yo, again, I want to make sure that I thank Rod um, from the Black Guy Who Tips. And again, I want to shout out Karen, who is the co-host of the Black Guy Who Tips and frankly, the star of the show. Um, And we're going to make sure we bring her on because we've had Rod on twice. We haven't had Karen on once. Right. And that's on me. Right. I think I might be a little nervous because I really think Karen is like 
the star star. I'm joking. These are light jokes, y'all. Uh, but really, I do need to make sure that I give time and effort to reach out to Karen and make sure that she has space or rather that she's willing to share space with us because she is incredible. So, again, I want to shout out the black guy who tips. And um, again, before I get out of here, we release this in the morning of Election Day, irrespective of the outcomes of the election. There are legitimate fears and concerns that your marginalized employees have over what the next at least the next year looks like. It's hard to ignore or be unaware of the fact that there are white supremacist groups mobilizing. And frankly, with the support and coordination of local police to harass and threaten and intimidate black and brown people. And we don't know what the next several weeks will look like, irrespective of the outcome of the election. And there are several implications to that as it pertains to workplace experiences and wellness. And my hope is that if you're listening to this, that you're keeping those things front of mind and not just thinking about them with thoughts and prayers, but working with your organizations to identify policies and practices that can be implemented to best protect the people that you have the pleasure to employ. Before we get out of here, you know, there's several ways you can support Living Corporate. The first way is by telling folks about us, right? It's easy just to tell a person, like, you take this little link, you listen, you listen to us right now, just shoot it to a couple of people, just send it over. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the numbers. I see who listen. I see it's a lot of people listening. So that means if you're listening to this, you probably have the capability to stop, press a little share icon, whatever, and forward it to your family member, your friend, right? This would be a great episode actually to forward to um, someone who you may not agree with politically. Forward it to your supervisor, your manager, or someone who um, is really looking to figure out what they could be doing in this moment. This is a great episode to share. So that's the first thing. The second thing you can do is go to Apple Podcasts and just give us five stars. In fact, give us six stars. Now, some of y'all are like, well, what's six stars? Six stars is five stars and a review, right? So help us out doing that. You can catch us everywhere the podcasts are aired. I check us out at living-corporate.com. Till next time, this has been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.